hello. Hey, Cody, it's David. Uh, do you have a minute to talk? Oh, sure. Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body, and soul. With your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Yeah, I just wanted to maybe chat for a few minutes about, you know, the election and gratitude around Thanksgiving. Are you down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I've just noticed the energy from the election has been pretty intense on, you know, not even on a political, in a political sense, but just in an energetic one in this country and on the planet. And I had some listeners sending me messages, can you please address the election? And, you know, me and you talked about it and we were kind of like, no, we, you know, we stick to more of the spiritual wellness topics but uh, it's been so pervasive and almost so unavoidable that I wonder if we'd be doing a disservice, you know, if we didn't talk about it. So why not? Let's let's talk about it a little bit. What have you noticed, Cody, um, kind of the energy in the country and on the planet uh, since the election? Yeah, and I, I'm glad that we decided to, to tackle this topic. Uh, at least from an energetic or a spiritual standpoint, and and likewise, I um, you know wrestled with it because I really want to keep this podcast and and anything that I do in reading someone or, or working with their development or their growth, you know, focused on that part of who they are, the emerging uh, awakening spirit. <clears throat> but this has been so pervasive, and it's not just the day of the election and the aftermath, but the lead up, the energy of the entire election has been, I think what we would call in the energy aware circles, a lot of negative energy. Right? <laughs> I mean, it was like, you would, know, it used to be, used to be, be mudsling- it used to be, we would call it mudslinging. I think this election was more like rock throwing, right? I mean, it was like yeah. we got into a rock fight or something. Um, and, and there was so much energy being thrown and so much negative energy that it it really wore everyone down. You know, by the time we got to the election, it just felt like everybody was burnt out. Yeah. And, and so many people didn't come out to, to vote, vote because That's of that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Historically low turnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so whether you are for one candidate or the other or no or didn't identify with any um i think there is an energy that i know there is we all know there is an energy that happened that really needs to be addressed and and it seems like it's kind of a a wake-up call um to some of the anger and divisiveness and um negativity that is out there and harbored by many and mm-hmm. and so we, I, I would love to talk about this from a spiritual standpoint for a while before we get into gratitude because one thought or say one experience I've been having with this energy shift is uh, from a spiritual standpoint, there's a lot of words we put to a time when everything's in turmoil, right? It might be the dark night of the soul, 
Uh, it might be a growth period. Uh, you know, it, it can be a time where it's, things are confusing, where what we thought was true or believed to be the way things are suddenly appears different or the foundation feels like it's pulled out from under us. So my big takeaway that I'd like to just put out there in the in the beginning for all of those of us that have been practicing uh, energy awareness and meditation and tools is it's real now. I mean, now is the time to do what we've been practicing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we practice finding our space. We practice being in a place of awareness of energy and gratitude. And and it's really when we're met with the biggest challenge that we take the biggest step. And I, I think this is probably one of our biggest challenges and that I've encountered in my life. Yeah, definitely. And I've talked to so many other spiritual teachers that I know and work with and I'm friends with, and um, they're, they've had a very interesting time with this shift on the planet too. And I can't say I've ever seen one in my, I'm not that old, I'm in my 30s, but I can't say I've ever seen one this drastic and intense since I've been alive. And just uh, recently someone, some spiritual person I know said, you know, it's fine. It's all love. You just don't pay attention to it. Just do your own thing. Don't even worry about it. It's like if you were really a neutral spiritual person, you just wouldn't even, it's just you stick with love and you don't do anything about it. And and to me, I, I was like, I thought, yeah, that's not where I'm coming from. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes to be, I think to be spiritual is to be in your truth. And so if your truth is to be an activist, to be active, um, to have a voice, to say, stand up and go, this is not right, or this is right. If that is truly part of your path, then that's what you do. To say the truth is to always not do anything is coming from a kind of a spiritual sense of dogma, right? Where everything is one, it's all an illusion, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know if it's if that's dogma or if that's just an idea that that spirituality is out there somewhere and we're going to find it and we're right. trying to transcend this human experience, which is a, a real different spiritual take than than I have. You know, my my take is that we're trying to fully uh, experience this human experience that we're di- coming down into the experience of a body as a spirit, because as a spirit. I mean, if you want to talk that way or as a soul or in that oneness, everything's fine. It's always fine, right? Mm-hmm. But we're here on earth to grow in some way, to expand, to come to know ourselves, to know that truth. And uh, we have to live in the world to do that. Um, yeah. So, so I, I think that that idea of spirituality as a way to escape from the world, you know, is, is not uncommon it's just not the the approach um, that I have. It, yeah, it's more I agree. about trying to awaken in the world, awaken to your true self uh, in a body. Which, whether you, bec- if you're not an activist, you're not an activist. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. But the big thing that I, because I've never been that political, I've always felt that it's in that one-to-one connection with someone else that validates them and uh, creates awakening where healing happens, that that's what, you know, where healing spreads and and grows and happens. But the thing that I experienced after this election 
and I, it's really hard to put into words, right? Because everything changed so quickly. But but one of the things that changed was a sudden heightened awareness of those people that feel marginalized or unseen or unheard um, or judged in some way. And to be able to be grounded, if you will, or fully present and see them is just just came into my awareness so strongly. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like such a powerful thing all of a sudden, uh, this practice that we have talked about for years of really seeing someone and saying hello to who they are beyond um, the identity, beyond the color, the race, the creed, right? To, to a practicing intuitive to read someone, to see the soul, the essence of someone means to see beyond all of the identities that we might uh, have in the world, right? Where we can be many things um, in the world and that's great. That's what we're here to be. But there's that deeper part of us that uh, those role identities or those judgments or stereotypes uh, can be a filter to, to suddenly, you know, these people um, or any of us aren't really seen. And so that just really came to awareness to me walking, you know, not in the sense of working with someone, but in the sense of being out in the world that it is real and it is for me to see everybody that is around me to Mm. truly stop and see them. Right. That I'm not too busy to see that person that is unseen and to say hello sure, and to make that connection and to recognize if they're feeling unsafe or unsure that, um, that just seeing them, just saying hello, uh, just being there fully present, uh, is, is a healing, right? Is, can you the, do that? For me, Cody, as I'm healing through this process, <laughs> no, you can do. You. <laughs> oh, I can do it myself. Okay, um, I've been yes, working. Yes, David. Yes, David. I see you. <laughs> Thank you, Cody. Oh, but to me, that um, and I and I've heard other spiritual teachers say this in the last couple of weeks, and I've certainly been, you know, communicating with people and. Uh, reading different things and, and listening to different people. And and it kind of comes back to this sense that that spirituality that is kind of out there in the ethers or that I'm seeking to become enlightened or that I've been practicing that, uh, and even over the years I've had teachers, different teachers say, you know, we're practicing this because one day, it will be real, right? It will be no longer practice, right? There's, yeah, and that's where I that it feels like that's where we are. Like suddenly, um, being grounded and fully present and awake in the world is incumbent upon all of us, and it's the only way that we're going to heal and and take this step and not have the energy that's stirred up, that's lit up, drag us backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lose yourself to lack of neutrality of what's happening. 
Right. Um, and for me, you know, I uh, I studied politics in uh, in college, high school and college. I was my major, one of my majors in college, and I spent some time working in Washington D.C. and got to meet a lot of really high level politicians and security experts and lobbyists, and really got to see the entire kind of U.S. government firsthand at work. And um, so I definitely find a, a little bit more personal for me in that sense that I've kind of seen it all play out from the inside out before. Um, and then watching it now, you know, kind of working in a different format, playing out from the outside in and seeing the different perspectives kind of that people have based on their upbringing, where they live, what channel they watch. Um, and it always just brings to my awareness this sense of how much we have our own opinions versus how much we're being fed opinions or molded with programming or ideas. And then we run our energy through those ideas and our emotions through those ideas. Um, and then they somehow become our own. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, it's I, I tend to really enjoy when somebody has had a a, a level of practical experience through something rather than just a philosophical idea about it or they've read about it in a book. Um, so, for example, you know, the guy who lost his job in a coal mine, you know, what's his perspective? The the woman who works for Homeland Security, what's her her, her perspective? Um, the, the staff are working on Capitol Hill, what's their perspective? Um, and I was lucky enough to, for a while in D.C., go around and meet a lot of people and, and get to see all these different perspectives. And if there's one thing that I learned from all of that, that it's, is that it's easy to call out a problem and say, you know, there's not enough jobs. The middle class is being crunched. There's war in the world. You know, anybody can call out a problem and say, ouch. Uh, but to really have a solution is very complex and some of these problems to solve them are very complex and when someone gives me a one-off easy answer most of the time um, I'm always very suspect um, about when it comes to their experience with that problem and solving problems like that Um, so I try to take a very cautious approach when it comes to kind of my ideas politically but at the same time I think it's important for everyone to have a set of you know values and what your intuition is about something and feel like you can express yourself in any way that you like there's almost like this over politically correctness sometimes or you can't fully say something or express something because you can offend someone and this has been the ultimate election of like political correctness versus political incorrectness and offensiveness and in a certain sense i've seen them both kind of go down to a lower vibration because there are times where you don't have to be politically correct and there's a truth in it and there's times that you just naturally are and there's a truth in it but I've seen them both kind of take a nosedive this time around it's been interesting to watch and my only solace I think has been comedy Um, for I like to sometimes get my news from comedy and just look at everything from that perspective because it pulls out the hypocrisy when you make fun of it, doesn't it? You just see a whole nother side of it when you see how silly some of us are being. Yeah. 
I, I like to do the same thing. <laughs> we got to laugh about it a little bit to get or the perspective, lot. right? <laughs> to get a little bit of space. And yeah, I was just you know that, that oh, can I just comment on yeah. that that idea of the solving a problem? Um, you know, I, again, I haven't ever been that politically oriented, much more spiritually minded, but I've always kind of had the idea that on those one-off solutions that if the solution was that simple that it would have already been fixed right <laughs> exactly yeah. so the reason that there's still a problem is that it is much more complex than that one-off solution yeah right? and that it takes uh people to change you can't just expect a politician or a group of them to change and then the whole world gets better because right. that takes away the responsibility from every individual person and then there's times that a group of people can make some kind of political decision that will shift things but often it's a lot of it is in the hands of people who i think in a, especially i've seen in the united states because i've lived in a lot of other countries have become very um, I don't know what's the word complacent. I guess um, we're we're happy and jolly, and our bellies are full, and it's easy to forget uh, the way some of the rest of the world works. Um, you know, my family barely survived the Nazis. Um, actually, a lot of them didn't survive the Nazis. Uh, luckily enough, my grandparents barely did, and that's why I'm here. And uh, I'm first generation born in the United States, and I. Uh, one day I'm living in Hawaii running this really cool meditation school and uh, thinking to myself, wow, just a generation ago, my family was, you know, running away from the Nazis. And here I am living on the beach in Hawaii with the coolest job on earth. Uh, this is incredible. How did this happen? But at the same time, recognizing the importance of being aware that the whole world isn't always like that. And there's a reason that paradise is paradise. It's an island in the middle of the Pacific away from everything. Uh, but right now being back kind of on the mainland during this election and seeing where everyone else is at and going through brings a whole nother perspective. And um, sometimes I just flash back to other points in history for some reason where everything seemed fine and everyone was doing great. And then this kind of slow slippery slope and then all of a sudden people are going what the hell is going on now and not to say that's going to happen by any means but sometimes i get flashes and i and i think about what was it like you know what was it like in 1932 when germans were like everything's great you know <laughs> what was it like in russian stalin era before it really took flight uh, in different times when people were complacent and not to say that's happening here um but sometimes I do I do think about that. I can't help it. And I think and I no, wonder but if Cody there is a there is a lot of people <laughs> right now saying what the hell is happening. Yeah. Right? So that like is a, a big energy. That's at out the there. foundation. Yeah. Um it, and I, I think there's a lot of people uh, lit up or in this growth period on both sides of the fence. I, I mean I don't think it's sure. Um just about losing it's it's about maybe it's about ch having challenged or losing a particular perception or identity about who we are and and so when i say it's it's real right now in terms of the practice of being spiritual in the world or being awake in the world it's because there there is a real call to um, express that identity 
mm-hmm. right? To bring that to the world, to each interaction. So that's kind of my spiritual perspective. <laughs> that yeah, and, you know, my uh, my mom actually worked for Donald Trump for the better part of uh, of my childhood, and my dad designed some of his <laughs> really? casinos. Yeah, uh, we lived just outside of New York City, uh, and so my childhood was very Trump centric. I remember my mom bringing me to Trump Tower uh, as a kid, and his books being all over the place. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you ask her, her opinion, it, it will not be ki- it would not be kind. <laughs> Let's just say right. that of her experience there. <laughs> it's just her, her experience and her opinion. But um, I never thought in a million years that that my mom's boss would ha- would become the president uh, of the United States. Pretty wild, uh, wild That's to watch. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and I also got to spend a good hour in Hillary Clinton's office um, when I was in D.C. I didn't get to hang and talk with her, but some of her people. And so for me, I'm, I just like looking at all of this from my experience of it. Uh, it's pretty pretty interesting. It's been, it's been a it's been a ride. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Definitely. That's pretty crazy. And I have to say my international friends, you know, I spent a while living in Spain and a few other places. Um, they they are very, very surprised by um, American politics and, and what's going on almost unanimously. Um, right. Yeah. Whereas America is a 50-50 split. Uh, um, if you go to places like Europe, South America, there's a much different perspective and um and there is a, definitely a bubble we kind of live in. I, I would say kind of like maybe Rome had a bubble. Um, and we too, we have we have a pretty big bubble going on just geographically because we're so distant from Europe in so many places, but also uh, kind of news-wise and energetically. I Whenever I leave America and come back and even living in Hawaii, it's almost like a different bubble. It just you can sense you can sense the American bubble. It's every mm-hmm. country has it uh, energetically. Every country has this like psychic uh, mental sphere that you enter when you land, without exception. Um, and it's not good or bad, but you I think uh, as you travel, you can start to almost feel and sense the subtle difference of each energetic bubble of each country not just country but inside of each country you have other bubbles you know you go to different states in the united states and there's different bubbles north and south italy um different parts of africa Mm. every place has their own quality of energy it's and it's pretty interesting to start to notice that um as you travel around yeah it's funny i've received a few texts and emails from people around the world and essentially uh there's kind of two tones to it. And one is, um, I can't believe that uh, Trump got voted in. The other is, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> so basically one sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so there's disbelief and then there's like uh, bewilderment, right? In, in yeah. kind of a sense of accusation. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Straighten up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people that are outside of that bubble looking in uh, perhaps have a little bit of perspective that we don't. And I don't know how we start to step out of that bubble and, and gain some perspective, maybe listening to some of that commentary from the outside. Uh, maybe 
listening to each other. Cause, and because I think even in that broader bubble, we each have our individual. I mean, there's been people talking about the echo chamber or, you know, kind of being in our own bubbles on each side of the aisle. Um, I think the only way to get beyond that is communication, is neutral uh, connection. Absolutely. Awareness. Yeah. So we have to listen, we have to communicate. And also, um, but also doing, I would say, from my kind of political science experience and background, doing some freaking homework. Um, <laughs> I've talked to so many people who who their knowledge around uh, some of these issues and politics and policies is so small uh, or so driven by just one perspective that they heard from somebody or from a news channel. And I think that there's a level of misinformation that happened this time around that has never happened before. Uh, And it's been escalating over years. I mean, when when I worked in Washington, D.C., there was less of that. It it existed, but I, I worked for a place called the Center for Media and Public Affairs, and my job was literally to watch ABC, NBC, and CBS all day long, and to t- type all the data from every news story into the computer so that they could evaluate and do a study on how much time the news spent on the Iraq war, how much time the news spent on weather, how much time the news spent on this topic, and to see where the news was going. Uh, and now, I mean, how would you, t- there's like 5,200 different outlets for news, right? And they're right. not all the same quality. And they're not all just three voices, right? You've got thousands of voices and perspectives and agendas. And through that, this is the first election ever, really, that the, uh, the amount of fake information through Facebook, um, through all these different media outlets has really just come out where people are having a really hard time telling the difference between a fake news story and a real news story. Um I had a relative recently tell me that unemployment in America is 70%. Um, (laughs) 70, and I said, wow, it's 70%. So you're telling me seven out of every 10 adults you know are unemployed? No, (laughs) but that's what I heard. Um, And and they were serious, you know, and they were serious. And so when you encounter that much information, you don't really have a choice if you want to be aware of what's really going on other than to do your homework. And this idea of this side says one thing and the other side says another, and so there's no right answer. Who are you supposed to believe? Just, you know, I disagree with that. Um, there are still facts that exist. Maybe you can't get them all, all the time, but if you do put in some time and energy, um, you can start to frame a picture of something relatively close to what's kind of true factually and be an informed citizen if that's something that appeals to you it might not it might not but with my background it kind of always has i've always since i was 13 i started watching the news when i was 13 years old i would watch the news and i would watch the stock channel and my parents didn't they had no interest in those things and they were like what the hell's wrong with this kid and i would stay home all afternoon after school just watching this stuff and i just loved it since uh, as early as i can remember 
And I even remember watching these political discussions going, I agree with that person and I disagree with that person at the age of 13. Um, and for me, I almost feel like it was this like past life, just energy, just like I, I just was so into it. It was the weirdest thing, Cody. Um, but if there's anything that I think you learn over time, whether it's in spirituality or politics or in anything else, is the more experience you have, the less you recognize that you know. But at the same time, the more you recognize that you can call out some bullshit when you see it. That doesn't mean you know everything, uh, but sometimes you start to have a better sense and instinct and a radar for when something isn't true. Um, mm -hmm. And that the truth can be, it takes more time and energy to start to really unfold into, in any arena that you go into. Um, and some of the really great political elites that I got to meet, for example, one of them was a very high-level person in the political military bureau of the State Department, uh, and he was a Republican. And um, But he was very cautious and humble with his opinions because of the experience. He had lived in dozens of countries. He had ran embassies on every corner of the planet. And because of that, he was more cautious with his opinions rather than loose. And that really, that humility really taught me something it was through experience, you recognize you don't know everything, but that doesn't mean you don't start to try to ascertain different levels of truth around topics that are important to you. And um, that was really cool to see him uh, yeah. in that space and experience that for me. I, I think from a, a, a metaphysical or an energy standpoint that, um, fostering that questioning mind, right? Looking at things and asking questions rather than just identifying with or trying to be right is, is part of that step of you mm -hmm. know, what is truth. We have to kind of question everything to, to get to that, you know, to get beyond the surface of what we're being told. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. funny when you talk about numbers how they can be so manipulated. I um, I got a call once a while back, a solicitation call, for um, <clears throat> trying to sell uh, home alarms. Right, so it's like just a fear, fear based thing. And so the call starts, and the person says, "Did you know that one in fifteen homes are being broken into <laughs> every day?" Mm -hmm. And of course, I just kind of laugh that off and, and I hung up. But then I later said that statistic to someone who is in that fear, right? Is in that fear of I need to protect myself. And they go, oh, I believe that. And so then I had to explain that to them. I had to say, do you realize that means that every 15 days, every home has been broken into and on average, your home would have been broken into twice a month. Right. And um, the, and so they didn't even, when I said the statistic, there's no thought behind like, well, what does that even mean, yeah. right? What, what does that statement mean that one in every 15 homes is being broken into every day? Right. Well, it means I need an alarm. Well, no, it means your home would have broke, been broken into 24 times this year. And it means if you don't know... <laughs> Anyone that that's happening to, you live in a very safe area and neighborhood compared to other places where that is happening well, so and much. Nobody, and so that statistical has aggregate. That happening. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, even that is just <laughs> absurd, right? Because twice a month on average. And then you think, well, how many times has my home been broken into? Oh, never in 50 years. Oh, well, huh. 
Did you know there's a one in 15 chance that your podcast co-host could break into your home to eat all your cookies? <laughs> That's right. That might be true. <laughs> anyway, I digress. But that it, it's funny that there's no questioning, right? There's yeah. no question of, well, what does that really mean? We get told these things. Like you said, 70% unemployment. Well, what would that really mean? Is that even possible yeah well, maybe well if, if you we count children all old kids, people and yeah, weekends and, and, um, <laughs> a few of the dead people uh, so, then maybe you can get there <laughs> yeah and you know so i i know a lot of people listening probably they want to we always want to know everybody's political opinion and who you vote for and what you think um but you know i don't think that's the most important part about this uh, you know i think we're program to to go what you think is really important well what you think is important but it's secondary to the awareness that you have um and i think how you treat yourself and other people will express that and i've met very liberal people that treat other people like shit and i've met very conservative people who treat other people wonderfully and vice versa so i don't think your political opinions in and of themselves say much about you necessarily um i've really seen people who have very racist backwards political opinions very scary political opinions in my opinion uh sometimes be the most wonderful people and they just get their information from a crazy place um and uh, and vice versa so um the what i do want to say though is i've never seen this level of kind of racism animosity towards immigrants um people of different sexual orientations i can't say I've seen so much, dis- ever seen so much discrimination or intense energy uh, towards minorities like this before. And and that kind of is alarming. And even just in the airport, just uh, the other day, I was just, I could notice the energy. Uh, I went to Canada and I was in the airport going through security. And this lady in the security line was singing. And it was like the energy was totally different versus in America in the security line. You could feel this tenseness and this this just raw um, lack of trust. It was so, so um, pervasive. And, and, and so that I have noticed from this election cycle. Um, and I don't think it's something that we should just kind of brush off to the side. It's important to, to be aware of it and to call it out. Um, if, if you see it, you know, if you want to, mm-hmm. um, cause I have a lot of friends who are from different backgrounds who are like, wow, I feel definitely marginalized <laughs> and right. whether that's justified or not, I'm not sure. But the truth is that there are a lot of people that feel that way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. No, and I, I similar sentiments and I, I think when we talk about the energy of things and the awareness, uh, being aware of the energy really speaks to going past the beliefs or what someone voted or what they even think and trying to find out uh, who they are and what their concerns are and, uh, you know, what, where they're looking from, right? Because nobody's bad in this. Everybody's trying to solve a problem and, mm-hmm. and they just we have different opinions about what's going to solve it yeah and and it's kind of devolved a little bit into this 
where I started off the talk with this energy of negativity that was modeled for us essentially throughout the entire process this time. And um, many of us got caught up in that perhaps. Mm. But past beyond that, there's people with real pain and real problems and they're trying to find solutions and they picked one way or the other thinking that will be the solution. Yeah. Um, Personally, I've never felt that politics is the solution. I've always felt that it's more uh, spiritual in nature, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't uh, disavow the, the fact that the tone at that level in politics, uh, you know, does, does set a precedent and it does, can marginalize people, right? It can, it does, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, just today I turned on the TV, I'm in a hotel room for a moment and on CNN and the tagline on the bottom is, and I, and you know, I'm from a Jewish family and the tagline is, movement you know leader of this movement says are jews even people and honestly cody i never thought i would turn on cnn and see that tagline um at the bottom of of the of cnn (laughs) (laughs) you know wild wild that the conversation has moved so far over in this direction that we're even that we're even having that conversation you would think that we'd be on a totally different level of conversation um and then to me what that shows is that also maybe the decentralization of the news and the media is a good thing like this podcast for example right there was no such thing as podcasting 15 20 years ago um and very few people had access to all these alternative voices so in that sense it's positive where we could sit here and talk about energy and growth and and all sorts of different topics instead of everyone just being inundated with a few news topics all day, every day, because that's all that's available. Um, and, and what that does is it gives people the opportunity to really shift their energy and look and move their energy in the direction that they want to rather than just what they're given, because there's not a lot of options. And, you know, yoga, for example, and meditation wasn't brought to the United States until um, the first historical real record that I know of is like 1893 when um, this guy Vivekananda came from India and he gave a speech at the World Fair in Chicago. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and that huh. was the first time um, that it was really brought, as far as I'm aware of, to the West. Um, and then kind of a Yogananda came and some more teachers kind of came after him. But uh, it was hard to get information for a long time. And uh, when I lived in India, I read a great book. I can't remember the title of it, but the author claimed that the Dark Ages, I'm not making this claim, but that the Dark Ages partially happened because the trade routes between India and the West had been closed because of the fighting between Islam and Christianity and a lot of the more Eastern spiritual ideas that were flowing through had been totally shut out. Um, and I have no idea if that's true or not, but sometimes I think about how, how much life has changed for us and how many people have had different kinds of spiritual awakenings and growth because there's so much more information and opportunity available. So for me, when I was 16, I, uh, 
I went to the bookstore and I randomly picked up Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. I'd never read a book in my life, uh, like cover to cover. I just didn't like to read. And my brother was just like, pick up a book, you lazy bastard. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. And three pages in, my whole life shifted. Um, It was never the same. And I was lucky enough to have access to, you know, Barnes and Nobles. And I just randomly picked up this book. Um, so timing and availability of information are huge, you know, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And I think this podcast is a whole nother step, uh, in that direction. I traveled around the world and finally met a person who did energy work in India, who referred me to a place in Hawaii who, and that's how I eventually met you, Cody. And, and I had to travel around the whole world to find that. Um, you know, however many years ago that started. And now uh, we get to sit. I'm in a hotel room in Miami and you're in Colorado in the mountains. And here we are. Everyone's listening from all over the world. And so I think there's already been a shift. And what people forget sometimes when they turn on the news and look at the world, they forget there's been a shift because not everybody has had it. But it doesn't take everybody to have it. And maybe that's not what's going to happen on this planet. But there has been a huge shift. Um, there's an incredible level of freedom to move in whatever direction you want to move into. And in that sense, there has been a huge shift in this show, us doing this, and a lot of other cool spiritual stuff happening on the planet is a reflection of that shift. So I think, um, I know we don't have too much time left, but in terms of Thanksgiving and the holidays, and we also wanted to talk about gratitude. Um, I have immense, immense gratitude for the state of the world, despite everything that's going on. The fact that, you know, someone like me in my 20s could get a passport and just get on a plane and fly to every corner of the planet. Um, the fact that we can get on the internet and do this show and people can listen. The fact that I, wor- I get to work with my clients one-on-one over the phone. They could be in Italy or in South America or in California. Um, the fact that we can get together for retreats, groups of meditators and like-minded people can sit in that energy and nobody bothers us or burns us at the stake. Um, the fact that there's enough food, you know, there's, there's so much, so, so much to be grateful for. That doesn't negate all the stuff that's going on in the world that's negative that we do want to say hello to and, and heal. Um, but being in the energy of gratitude this week, I think is super important um, for ourselves and for the planet um, so those are just, a f- and, I'm, and I'm grateful for you, Cody, of course. <laughs> and the cookies in your house. I was just staying with Cody for a week. We were creating some content together um, that hopefully we'll release not too far off in the future. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, and you have some wonderful food. And so I was grateful for that too. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and I... I I, I'm glad you kind of shifted to to gratitude. I um. But but just before I jump into that topic, I I'm kind of a big believer in the evolution of consciousness, and and you know our society I think rose out of many things, but one of them was the Enlightenment, right? And that which was a real spiritual step or a step in awareness mm-hmm. and a shift yeah. or paradigm shift in how many people saw the world and and their place in it. And, and I can't help but think that we're in another uh, spiritual revolution, if you want to call it, or Definitely. evolutionary step, where we are seeing um, 
ourselves and our place in the world differently. Like that's evolving. And in that we might see our power differently. And um, whether that is born out of uh, more access or more uh, ability to have a voice through the internet and different uh, media outlets or like this podcast. Um, or, or I don't know what the, the real um, catalyst is. But given this, this election and then where to be in oneself, as a meditator or as a spiritual person. I wanted to share a quote that I, I found, and it, it's founded in a Christian idea, so it, it starts off to be Christian, but I think we could consider that uh, word to, to be spiritual. I mean, uh, you know, someone that uses that word, it, at the root of it is, is kind of an idea of spirituality that they carry. But this quote says, to be Christian is to take sides with those who are marginalized, dehumanized and subject to violence. So mm. whether we like it or not, neutrality isn't an option. Mm-hmm. And I, I could put the word spiritual in that and, and identify with that, that for me, this growth period, this step has really been a, an internal call to action um, to show up in the world, to see those people that are feeling marginalized or feeling pushed aside or dehumanized in some way. And whether they've been, had that, you know, like you said, whether that's happening directly because of the political uh, shift or not, if they feel it, it's real, right? They're in it. And so my, my thing lately has just been to really be there and see and say hello to those people. And what I found is... Mm out in the world, um, what you were kind of saying going through the airport where there's this edge of um, maybe uncertainty in our relationships with each other. On the flip side of that, I have found that there is more kind of direct connection and communication happening uh, everywhere I go hmm. with people. Like they're look, we're looking at each other more deeply trying to see where each other are. And to be there and say hello, um, I, I don't know. It's It's been a pretty interesting journey. And hopefully that's what comes out of this is that uh, that human connection, that reaching out to each other, being there for each other, uh, becomes the bigger part of who we are. And the political discourse and the noise, which is just a lot of noise going on in some ways, um, can be in the background. So Mm. the thing that I'm grateful for out of all this is that level of connection, that deepening our openness to um, kind of see each other a bit more, to look. And hopefully the next step out of that can be an openness to listen, an openness to share um, honestly and vulnerably in a way that uh, brings deeper connection and understanding. So yeah, there is a lot to be grateful for in this time of Thanksgiving, if we want to put it in that context. But really, gratitude is a spiritual practice that uh, is a state of being to foster, is a place to um, 
focus our attention a little bit every day to look at and uh, acknowledge those things that we have to be grateful for. And in this time in history, we, we kind of have a lot to be grateful for, I think. So we have so much around us, mm-hmm. uh, even in our struggles, that uh, to stop and be grateful, I think, is a powerful tool to reconnect with the energy and the soul of things and reconnect with um, source, mm. if you will, or your, your own inner energy uh, moving forward. Yeah. So I hope we can all take a little time just to reflect on and appreciate uh, those things we do have in our life that uh, we can be grateful for and that bring us uh, joy. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Cody. Well, um, I think uh, we're pretty much out of time today, but uh, we're grateful, we're conscious, we're growing, (laughs) hopefully laughing, (laughs) and um, enjoying ourselves over this holiday and throughout the end of 2016. Um, Thank you guys all so much for listening. I think Cody and I are both very grateful for our audience and for all the amazing feedback that we get. Uh, And if you've never given us feedback, if you want to hear a show about a particular topic, uh, email us, send us a message, let us know. Um, If you ever get a chance, rate us on iTunes. We will be very grateful. (laughs) And um, yeah, enjoy yourselves. Be grateful for yourself. Take some time and meditate. And um, we'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Energy Matters Podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud.com.